I invite you to turn your Bibles this evening. We're going to look at a few passages, but we're going to start in the book of James. The book of James chapter 4. And again, what we're sharing tonight is uh, kind of a, a little book on thinking biblically. Uh, this is actually, part, part of this is uh, kind of what I share with the teens on Sunday school. So for the teens that are here, you might have heard this before or something like it. I don't do it exactly the same. We try to adjust it. But I think this is really some important uh, uh, lessons that we can all learn together. And the idea is thinking biblically. Again, before we get into um, the main lesson, again, kind of the entrance of this book, it kind of it tells about a professor who challenges students how we look at life. And a lot of times uh, we think of, of the world and the good and the bad of it. There is beauty in the world. There is the evil in the world. There's both sides of it. But a lot of times we view life kind of like through those glasses, through those lens, and that's how we view life. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of us, even Christians, they view the Bible through the lens of the world, everything that they've been accustomed with, everything that they've been exposed to, whether it be media or other influences, we tend to view life through our secular lens, and that's how we look at the world. In our Western culture in particular, uh, it's it's often been said that you have your, your physical life on one end, like your work, your job, your school, and all that, and then you have, on the other hand, your spiritual life. That's your going to church or your daily prayers or whatever it may be. We, and in our Western society, we kind of view them separately, but I tell you what, according to the Bible, really, they are one life. It, it should be. We should, and the, here's the point of the professor— we view life from, again, we view it from the lens of our society and our influences. But how should we view life? It really should be the other way around. Instead of viewing the Bible through our secular lens, we should view our world through our, the Bible, thinking biblically. In other words, when something uh, happens in your life, a trial, a struggle, actually when we're maybe dealing with the case of, of, of Eldie's passing, for example, how does the world view, view something like that? How does the world view death? For example, they might. There's a lot of opinions out there. Is there an afterlife? Uh, do we just simply evaporate? You know, there's a lot of perspectives out there uh, on on death. But how do we look at death spiritually through the Bible? Well, we know that death is the wages of sin. For example, we know how death came into this world, and but we also know that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. And to give us eternal life, not death, okay? So there's great hope when we look through the, the world through the lens of the Bible. And so that's kind of the point of what we've been studying. We talked first about authority and how we view authority figures around us. Um, how do you respond, you know, biblically when you see the blue light special going on behind you when you've been going only two miles over the speed limit, officer, right? <laughs> But how do you respond to authority, right, uh, when that happens? When you have that, that teacher, you know, things like that, things that get a little hard. You know, there's different ideas. But each of us have authority that is in our life uh, in a ver variety of aspects, especially different times of your life. But how do you respond in a way that honors the Lord? And so that's what we talked about. Then the last time we talked was about uh, God's presence, how do we think differently? How do we think biblically knowing about God's presence? There's a word we use, God is omnipresent. It's one of the three omnis of God. God is omnipotent, which means God is almighty or all-powerful. We know that God is omniscient, which means God is what? 
all-knowing or all-wise, all-knowing. And then we know that he is omnipresent, which means God is everywhere. Uh, and we mentioned last time from the book of Psalms 139, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Where should I flee from thy presence? And so is there, here's the thing. Can you ever be unknown in your location to God? Can you play hide-and-seek with God and win? You will always lose. All right, that's a game you're always going to lose. God knows where we are. And like I said, that can either haunt us. Man, we think God is always watching us. We kind of get paranoid that way. But no, God is, for a believer, that should be a, a great comfort that God is ever-present, is ever with us. And he does that through two things. We know that God is always with us because he's given us his son, Jesus, who is within us. John chapter 14 and 16, for example. And we also know that God gave us the Holy Spirit. To, to indwell us, okay? We're baptized in the Spirit. He indwells us. He indwells the believer. And so God's Spirit is ever with us. His presence is always with us. And here's the thing. If you knew that God is always with you, would that, and if you remember that, would that change how you think and how you act? Nod your head yes, all right? I hope so anyway. Just a thing like this, you know, going back to the old classroom back in the old day when Mrs. What's-Her-Name was there? All right. He again says it with such bitterness, but <laughs> all right. But when Mrs. Nixon or whoever your teacher was in the class, you probably worked a little harder, a little bit more concentrated when that authority presence was around, right? But what happens, and you guys know this, when the teacher steps out of the room for a few minutes, what happens in that classroom? Chaos, noisiness. Okay, you guys know it. Can I give you a funny little story? That happened, I, I don't think I shared this before, but when Mandy and I were in Hebrew school uh, in, in Israel, uh, we were getting ready for our final exam of the, of the course that we were taking, the Hebrew course. And so you got to remember, in our group, well, there's like 20-some students in our class, um, most of the group were from the former Soviet Union, okay, the vast majority, there was a couple of Japanese students, I think there's a lady from Denmark, and then us as American expats, uh, I think that was about it as far as the other groups. Everyone else is from the former Soviet Union. And so we were getting, again, we were taking, I think it was like a prep test for the final exam, okay? And so the teacher, and these are very good teachers, by the way. Even to this day, I love them to death. And so while we were taking the test, a few minutes went by, and the teacher steps out of the room. Can you imagine what these grown-up adults, some of them were babushkas and dadushkas, grandparents even, we're all there taking this Hebrew test together. Can you imagine what happens? Does everyone sit and be studious? No. Even when they're older, guess what? The teacher's gone. They're all talking about, what's the answer for this? What's the answer for this? You know what? I don't speak that great of Russian. I can speak some, but I knew what they were saying. You know, what is, what's going on here? What's the answer? And so, and then they're turning to us and like, I don't know. Okay, I'm trying to be dumb, but anyways. So it's interesting. At any age, the, uh, the idea, even at that age, the idea of having an authority presence and a presence there of an authority figure makes a difference in how we act and how we think. And I think this is something so important for us as we live our lives that as we think biblically, knowing that God as an authority figure, but also his presence is ever with us through his son, through the Holy Spirit, that if we really thought about that, that should affect how we act and how we live. Nod your head, yes, that's, that's right, okay? So now tonight, we're going to go to a third aspect of thinking biblically, and we're going to be looking at God's will. God's will. So how do we understand God's will? 
This is a big question. You probably have asked this yourselves. You probably maybe heard Bible lessons, sermons preached on this as well. It's a, it's a familiar topic and it's something that gets asked a lot. Uh, so look at the in James chapter 4 in verse 15. Okay? It says here, But now ye rejoice... Oh, that's verse 16. Verse 15. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So it's talking here about God's will doing this or that. So it's interesting that this verse teaches that God has something for the Christian to do and that they should plan accordingly, according to God's will. We should do what God has planned for us is the idea. It's interesting that James, the, the writer here of, of, this, of this book, condemns uh, interesting elaborate planning that omits God. Okay, so as we think about this, uh, when we do our planning according to God's will, do we include God or not? I think it was a couple of weeks ago, we kind of looked at that pie chart, remember, in decision-making? Remember we talked about that? And you asked different people, well, who did you seek advice for making a, a big decision, for example? We talked about friends, maybe a coworker, a boss, uh, a realtor. We talked about different people. We, of course, we talked about God, but when it, when it really matters, though, how much do we really... Talk to God about a big decision we make. Most Christians, I'll be honest with you, it's pretty small, right? According to that pie chart, it's pretty small. So this is something very important for us as we follow God. Thinking biblically helps us when we know God's will. So you guys remember growing up playing the game Simon Says. Anyone ever played that game Simon Says? All right, maybe you did that. Pretty much everyone here. You know how it works, right? Simon Says, raise your right hand. Simon says, put it down. Raise your hand. You guys are good. All right? <laughs> Simon didn't say. Okay? So I have a question for you. You know how the game works. How does someone win the game Simon says? Now, that's where you get to participate. Peter? Okay, so basically it's the one who follows all the rules, right? You do exactly what Simon says. Okay, here's the thing. In our spiritual world, it's, it's like that. A person who follows the character of Christ or God's commandments, Jesus' commandments, okay, that's the person who will win the game. But the, the matter is this. How, if, let's put in Jesus says. How much are we going to win that game Jesus says or the Bible says? If we obey everything that's taught... I'll be honest with you, we're all lacking. There's a time we mess up, we, we jump the gun, whatever it may be. And so it's kind of interesting looking at that. So here's the thing. The purpose of Simon Says is really thinking this. It's to conform your behavior to Simon. That's really what it is. You're supposed to there to do everything that Simon says or Simon does. So you're supposed to conform yourself, your behavior, to Simon. What God has given us to us as well in his word in his will is to help conform us in our behavior to jesus to the bible to what god says okay very simple so we are to live our lives conforming our behaviors to the will of god so with that in mind another step towards thinking biblically is to identify and obey god's will when we make decisions this is a big thing i don't care where you are in your life as a believer 
we must depend and follow God's will for our lives. But how many times do we actually seek God's will or know God's will for that? And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. What is the will of God? And so that is the big question. Okay. So what is the will of God? So uh, excuse me for a moment here. What is God's will? All right, so I'm going to ask you this question. Someone define to me the will of God or God's will in your own words. How would you define it? Okay. Okay, to give thanks. For this is the will of God. And that's First Thessalonians 5.18. Yeah. Yep, and that's a big part of it, okay? Anyone else? How would you define God's will or the will of God? How would you define it? Anyone else? Think about that. Okay, yes, Debbie? Being conformed to the image of the Son. Basically following Jesus says. Yeah, exactly, to become like him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, anyone else? Yes, Dave? Perfecting his love in our life. Absolutely. These are all, all good answers, by the way. Okay? Wesley. Amen. <laughs> all right. So I like what this, and we talk about will, and we're going to get to those points more specifically here. But God's will is really, it's the choices God makes. Okay? So there are choices that God makes, okay? Or the choices that God has made. That is God's will. That's one definition of it. What do we mean by that? God's will. It's his plan. It's his purpose, if you will, that is lived out. So the choices that God's make is some things like this. His choice to create the universe. That was his will, to create this world, okay? That, those are things that have happened. To create man in his own image, okay? It's the idea to institute rules for proper behavior. You look at, for example, the Ten Commandments. Those are clear instructions for, that God has given us to follow His will, what He wants to be conformed to His image, etc. Okay? Another thing is to provide a way of salvation. God is not willing that any should perish, but what's His will? That all should come to repentance. That's His plan, His desire. All right. Another thing is to bring individuals uh, into existence. When a child is born, this year we've had four babies that have been born into the church family this year. Uh, I think the nursery workers had a great time with them today, right? <laughs> they were very vocal. <laughs> that's good. That's a blessing. Uh, but that's God's will, to bring them into this world. Uh, the church, that is God's will. It's kind of a mystery, but that was God's plan from the ages. That's his will. So this is choices that God has made or that he makes. So with that in mind... Uh, we are to live in obedience to God's will according to what he has done and what he, uh, choices that he has made. And so this raises some questions, though. What exactly is God's will? Okay, so we're going to talk about two aspects of God's will uh, tonight here. Okay, we're going to talk about two aspects of, of God's will. So I want you to turn your Bible to De Deuteronomy 29.29. Deuteronomy 29.29. Okay, and whoever finds it, would someone be gracious to read that out loud? Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. 
Okay, so this is a very curious verse. The secret things belong to the Lord. In other words, there are things according to His will, decisions and choices that God makes according to His plan that I'll be honest with you, we just don't understand or maybe not understand fully. And so what we talk about, this is God's hidden will. This is God's hidden will. Okay, so there are things that we don't understand altogether. For example, uh, there are things like, let's say, time. For example, we know that God is eternal. He never had a beginning, never had an end. He's eternal. How can we really, do we really understand that? Do we really comprehend that? We can't. In a sense, this is God's hidden will, and that affects time itself, including our future. Okay? It affects our future, uh, or God's plan for the future and for humanity. There are things that we know, of course, in Bible prophecy. By the way, uh, 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 Dr. Schmidt will be here in, towards the end of April for our prophecy conference. By the way, the theme uh, of it, we don't have an exact title for it, but he's going to be preaching about the doctrine of imminency, the imminent return of Christ. Like, is Christ really coming? It, we're going to be looking at that. But nonetheless, when we think about the future, we think about even prophecy, there are some things we just really don't know for sure. We have a general idea. Uh, look at Daniel and Revelation, for example. But there's a lot of things in Bible prophecy we just don't know all the answers to. Like, for example, um, who is the Antichrist? What exactly is the mark of the beast? I'm just throwing those things out there. Um, you know, there's some, some things. When will the rapture take place? There are some things we really don't know. Those are hidden only to God. That's a choice that God has made. All right, so those are some things that, again, it's kind of the hidden will of God. Another thing, too, is uh, precise answers to the great mysteries of the Bible. Okay? For example, uh, the virgin birth. The Word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. We talk about the virgin birth. How do we really wrap our minds around that? It's, in a sense, a mystery. It's a, we believe it by faith. Uh, we see it clearly in the Scripture, but exactly how does that work? There's some things that we just don't understand. Uh, and so, uh, but we believe it by faith, like I said. Okay, so I'm going to just put answers here. All right, so precise answers. Maybe looking to the exact use. And sometimes that's frustrating to us because we're trying to hone in exactly like, when is the Lord going to return? Some people try to put a date on the calendar, for example. They try to be specific or precise, and guess what? <laughs> they get disappointed. Okay. All right, so with that in mind, another thing, too, is God's presence. Okay. We talked earlier about we know that God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But can you really explain that? Can you really wrap your mind that God, we believe he's with us tonight, but he's also with believers in Korea at the same time. He's with Mark and Emily Mariner and our brother and sister-in-law in Guyana right at this moment. How is that possible? We believe it. But again, how do we really wrap our minds about God's presence? And that is his will. To do that and to be that, that's just part of his nature. Okay, another thing is, would be uh, the Trinity, okay? Again, these are just examples of the hidden will of God. We believe that, what is the Trinity? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. We believe that. The Bible, I think, uh, teaches that definitely uh, clearly. But again, how do we really wrap our minds that God is one in three persons? It's, 
it, it really, for us, it's hard to totally comprehend. Even for us, when we get to heaven, I don't think we'll fully understand that. But that's a, bit, a part of God's hidden will. So with that in mind, when we think about God's will and his choices that he makes, and we, re, and we rest and trust in him for that, a lot of times you might hear the phrase, Lord willing. Anyone ever maybe use that word itself? How many of you ever heard it or said it? Lord willing, we'll be here next week. All right? Lord willing, we're going to have a great pasta bar at the Valentine's banquet. You know, so, something like that, okay? We, we use that expression. Well, think about that. Lord willing, according to God's plan, it's almost like putting, I hope we're, mean this sincerely, that we're kind of trusting God for this to happen. Uh, and so when you think about that, Lord willing, the future, what is our future going to be like? How do we plan it? How do we understand thinking biblically about our life and about how we should respond and obey, and obey the Lord? And so I want you to think right now of, think of uh, a couple possible things that can happen in your lifetime to you, possible, five possible future events in your life, okay? Uh, it could be a variety of things, okay? Uh, I was talking with the teens today, and some of them said, well, getting married, having kids, getting a job. Uh, Logan Nelson went on about paying electric bills and mortgages and all that. That's what he gets to look forward to. <laughs> taxes, paying taxes, okay? That's what they get to look forward to. But think of this, the future things in your life, maybe moving, retirement, it could be uh, even facing death itself, okay? These are things, circumstances that could happen or even will happen in your life. And when we say God willing, how do we then think biblically about these things that are are to happen. Okay, I actually challenge the kids. Can you imagine getting a time machine? Do you ever like to watch movies or read books like that? One of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. Okay? I wish I had a DeLorean, right? And go back back in time. But, you know, I was asking the, the kids, how, uh, where would you go back in time to if you could? Okay, I'm going to ask you that. We're going to have a little fun tonight about this. If you could take a trip in a DeLorean or some other time machine of your choosing... You go back in time, where would you go back to? I'm going to ask you that. Who would, take a time machine, where would you go back to? I'll pick on Scott. Hi. <laughs> where would you go back to if you could go back in time? Anywhere in history? To the beginning? Time of Christ? Okay. Very good. Actually, a lot of the teens, they, that's what they answered. Good. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Where where would you go? Ben? Like I said earlier, Ben wants to go to the Renaissance. All right. Okay. Not the Renaissance Festival. That's different. Okay. The actual Renaissance era. Okay. Anyone else? Where would you, if you had a chance? Tabitha? No, it's Ark. Not the one at the Dell. Wisconsin Dells, right? Not that one. Okay. All right, Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, that was the real Noah's Ark. You go back to, to Genesis. All right, that'd be really interesting to see how Noah built that and what happened. All right. All right, anyone else? If you had a time machine, come on, use your imagination. We can be kids tonight, okay? Harvey, where would you go? I'd go back to probably the middle of the 1800s. Okay. All right. Just the, the Civil War? Okay. Less development. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, we think about that. 
I told the kids there's probably two, t I'm going to give one biblical example and I'll give one personal example. If I had to go back in time, I would probably go to the empty tomb, resurrection day. I think that would have been, I mean, you can't put that into words. Um, but in my lifetime, I would go back uh, to our wedding day. Yeah, she's surprised. Okay, Yes. <laughs> I go back to our wedding day just to kind of relive that, that moment, if you will, okay? You can say, aw, you know, so it's okay. But anyways, but now let's turn the table. I want you to think now, 10 years from now, 5 years from now, whatever, and you see yourself 10 years from now, 5 years from now. You take a time machine to the future. I wonder what our lives would be like if we follow the will of God. And a lot of times when knowing the will of God... There is a hidden will that we just don't, can't wrap our heads around. We, the secret things belong to the Lord, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Okay? But when we look at this, how then do we prepare ourselves for the future? Five years from now, ten years from now, wherever it may be. So I asked our kids, I asked the kids this morning, what, what do you see yourself as being your future, you know, for that? And they start talking, well, I'm going to be this age. I mean, that is, all of them would be in their 20s, basically. And they're like getting scared all of a sudden, okay? Because that's a reality. How do you prepare yourself for the future? And a lot of Christians, we really don't think in that way. Like, how should our lives be according to God's will? And so I want us to kind of go through a couple things right now. And uh, go with me in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is a familiar passage here. Let's take a time to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 1. It says here, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So you look at these examples here in this beautiful poetry written by Solomon and as you think about this, how do these verses here, what do they communicate about the timing of life events? There is a time and a purpose, a season, uh, to every, everything under heaven, okay, and every purpose under heaven. So these are, we, we look at these verse 18, eight verses here, this is really kind of a cycle of life, if you will. These things happen at different times, different places, in, throughout our lives, throughout the world, things like that. These are definitely important. But now let's look at this. When we look at this, let's understand what God's will is for our life. Look at this in verse uh, chapter, chapter 3, verse 11. Okay, The Bible says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. There's a song we sing like that. Okay, But look at carefully. It says, Also he hath set the world or eternity in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And so here's another case in point. With everything that goes on in life, do we still really know God's plan with everything going on? We really don't. There's a lot of things that God does, and how can we really understand his purpose and plan? 
Here's the thing. We are, where God is omniscient, where he's all-knowing, we're not. Where God is all-powerful, we're not. While God is all-present, we're not. We are limited. And so, therefore, we have a limited understanding uh, of everything in this world. Remember in the book of Job. Remember the book of Job. How does the book of Job, towards the end, with all of Job's uh, suffering that he went through, um, his friends basically, well, they weren't much of friends, to be honest with you, but everything that Job went through, what happens towards the end of Job? God stops Job in his tracks, and what does he say? Where were you when I created the world? Where when I when I did this, when I did that? And he's basically, for a couple chapters there, he's illustrating basically the wonders of himself. And so this is the question. There's a lot of times in our lives where we ask why God, with things that happen to our lives, but Job turned that question from why God to who are you, God? And so by understanding that there is, we do have limitations in God's hidden will, do we accept that and basically say, God, I'm going to trust you. And how then do we trust God? We trust God for what he has given. Next, now we go back to the, the board here. So we have God's hidden will, Deuteronomy 29, 21. The secret things belong to the Lord, even what we read here in uh, Ecclesiastes 3. But now comes another point here, and that is God's revealed will. So, like I said, there's a lot of things we just don't know the answers or specific answers to in this life or God's plan for the future, for example. But there's a lot of things we do know about God's revealed will, what he has told us. And so, uh, some individuals enjoy contemplating, attempting to solve the contents of God's secret will. But like I said, Scripture emphasizes a lot, the secondary category, God's revealed will. And some of you guys mentioned that earlier today, God's will. To be thankful, for example, to be conformed to his image, having the love of God. There's a lot of things that we do know in the Bible that God has revealed to us. This is his will, okay? And so God's revealed will is this. Here's the answer. God's revealed with his will is his, uh, well, I'll write it down later. But anyways, it's basically God's, uh, God's revealed will is knowledge about God, the universe, and ourselves that God has chosen to communicate with us. So in other words, be thankful that God has chosen to tell us what he wants, tell us how to live. He does tell us enough about the universe, how God is, how he created that, and how he desires to work in and through us for his glory. He has revealed that to us. So there are some Christians where they go around, they kind of walk in circles, spiritually speaking, and they say, we don't know what God wants us to do, so I'm just going to sit around. Let me just say this, talk about serving the Lord, that it is not God's will for your life just to sit in a pew of Victory Baptist Church. It's not God's will just to sit in a pew of Victory Baptist Church. I'm glad you're here, but it's so much more than that. And so many Christians are content to say, well, I don't know what the will of God is for our life, so I'm just going to sit here until I find out. <laughs> God has revealed to us his will. Now, here's the big question. Where has he revealed it primarily? In the scriptures. Exactly. In the scriptures is where we find God's will. Exactly. So God's revealed will is his knowledge about him. There are things that we know. We talked earlier tonight about the names of Christ, names of God. Several of you share that, which means you have spent at least some time in God's word or hearing God's word to understand that. Okay, you are growing in that revealed will of God. That's important. That's encouraging. 
what you know about the universe, how God's chosen to communicate. So in what ways, then, does God communicate with us? We mentioned his word. I'm going to ask you as well, what's some other ways that God has communicated with us, with mankind? Ultimately, it's through his word, but with some other things. Any, any time, yeah. Visions, okay. And dreams, you might as well throw that in. God has done that, okay. Through other people. If someone, just make it really simple here in a church setting, when the pastor, whether it's me or someone else preaching, that is, we, hopefully we're saying this as God's messengers, we are simply relaying his word. When, when maybe someone at uh, your workplace, for example, who is another believer, just shares maybe a little bit of scripture with you or an encouragement saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Things like that. That's another way that God ministers to us, okay? God does put people in our life to influence us, to help us knowing God's will, okay? Um, just a very quick thing. When we uh, were uh, called to come up here to Victory Baptist from Tennessee, uh, my wife and I, we consulted with probably about 25 people. Um, some were family, others were very close friends or people we put confidence in. And we just asked, we kind of shared the situation you know, what do you think God's will is for our life? And so now our first thing was to do is prayer and meditation in God's word, but we also just seek godly counsel in making that decision as well. And so that's something that we should do is God's reveals that way. I think some other things too, and this is really basic, but what's another way God has revealed his will or, or communicated with us? That was exactly what I was about to say. Good job. Okay, Exactly. Psalm said that heavens declare the glories of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Uh, isn't that amazing what God's creation, it speaks volumes. If you are a child of God today, you look around us. Uh, we were talking with George and Dorothy today, and we were talking about different states and different places that they've been, that we've been. And we said, you know, of all of our travels across the U.S. and really around the world, there is something to appreciate at every place, even Iowa, Okay. <laughs> All right, But there's something to appreciate at every state, at every place in this world, because God's fingerprints are everywhere. And as a child of God, that should make us excited. When we look at even the human body, how God has created us fearfully and wonderfully made, look at the eye, for example, and the complexity of it. Look at our own blood and how our blood works, for example, and clotting factors, just everything that's involved in that. What a wonderful God. We, this didn't happen by chance, folks. It didn't happen just because of a whim and, hey, we're here somehow. No, there is a purpose and a plan, God's choice that he made. That's his revealed will. So, yes, he communicates us even through creation. Isn't that amazing? We have a wonderful God. But God, as we said, primarily has given his revealed will through his word. And that's the first place we go, folks. That's the first place we go is through his word. And this is what, how we know God's will for our life. So... Again, going back here, creation, God's interventions throughout history. There's been many times that God has intervened in history. So many times. Let me just share this. Um, we talked earlier, well, I mentioned it, Harvey, about the Civil War. Okay, when the Civil War happened, what a terrible time that was for our country to go through, brother against brother. What a very difficult time that was for us. But you know what God did? God did intervene. The war came to an end. There was some sort of reconciliation for sure. There's still some problems, but overall, 
it's amazing how overall peaceful and how united we became back as a country. I'm just sharing that, just general history. I don't think we should take that for granted, but what happened about 10, 15 years before the Civil War? Does anyone know? There was a revival. There was a revival. Prayer meetings that took place in New England, in New York, that took place in the, about 1950, late 1940s and 1950s. There were revival meetings that were going on, and it was estimated in a few years of that time about one million people had come to know the Lord through prayer meetings and through revival meetings and preachers that were going around the country before the Civil War took place. So God intervened in history, and that didn't stop the Civil War from happening. But I think we can maybe take comfort in, you know, those that did lose their lives, over 600,000 uh, from both sides, Union and Confederacy, that, that perished in, in the war. That, that should grieve our hearts when you think of that number. But nonetheless, we know that God had, had prepared them for that time, and maybe there was more that came into the gates of heaven because of those revival meetings that took place just about 10 years before the Civil War took place. Uh, you could go back to the American Revolution. What happened even uh, some years, 20, 30, some years before that? It was the Great Awakening. People like Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and many others uh, preached the, the, uh, the Word of God. Lives were changed. People were saved. And that was, a, in a sense, a bedrock for what happened with the American Revolution. I'm just going on. God does intervene in history. We see that in, in, uh, in Israel's history as well. Um, the fact today, here we are, Israel is now celebrating its 75th anniversary as a, uh, a reborn country, if you will. Isn't that amazing? When you see that the Jewish people were cast off forever, that Hebrew was regarded even just as a liturgical language, and now Hebrew is being re- spoken again through Eliezer ben Yehuda and for others. And we see that Jewish people, for whatever reason, you ask them, they've come back from the north and the south and the east and the west, back to the land that God has given them. And we see here, in a sense, the valley of the dry bones, the bones are coming together, but you know what? There's not life yet in them. But guess what? God has promised that he will preserve a remnant to himself. One day all Israel will be saved. Tell you what, the fact that May 14th of 1948, is that just some date on a calendar when by chance a nation was born in a day? No. This is a part of God's divine plan. Again, we probably don't know until we get to heaven exactly what this is all about. But pretty important as we see this here. I think, too, another way that God speaks to us today is through the Holy Spirit. We talked about the indwelling Christ. And we talked about John 14. We talked about the indwelling Holy Spirit. He will guide you in all truth. And who will the Holy Spirit point you to? He'll point you to Jesus. He does not speak of himself, but he points us to Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He helps us, and how do we know that? Of course, it lines with his word. And so very important as we see this is, so today, the primary means of communicating with us is the Bible. And so with that, in the Bible, we find his revealed will includes his commands. God's commands for us are included in here. His wisdom. Thank God for the wisdom he gives us, okay? Uh, principles, okay? Uh, we talk about prophecy, for example, um, in the life of Christ. These are all things in his will that he gives us. Commands, wisdom, principles, etc. So these are things that we should be thankful for that God has given to this. And the key idea of this, that God desires of all the things that he's revealed to us is for us to do what? What should we do with God's will for our life? The things that we know from God's word. God wants you to do this. To be thankful. To be conformed to his image. Okay? To be pure uh, with... Uh, 
sexuality, for example. All these things are very important, but what does it boil down to? God simply wants us, because of his will, for us to obey. God simply wants us to obey, to obey him. Simon says, Jesus says, God's word says, and we said, yes, Lord. Okay? So this is, uh, it gets a little deeper, but what is God's will for life? Again, a purpose of this study here is for us to think biblically. When we look at the world and things around us, when we go through life, a lot of times, again, we're looking through that lens of the world, not the lens of the Bible, not the lens of what God wants us to do. And so let's challenge our thinking this. If we know what God's will is for us and what he has said, do we follow it or do we lean on our own understandings? When we lean on our understandings, I'll be honest with you, we don't get too far. <laughs> and uh, so how important it is for us to stick to God's word, to follow him, and uh, what does the Bible say? He will direct our paths.